Welcome. I'm back. It's Tea Time History Chat Live. It's the 16th of August. I have been away from you for a few weeks because I have been on my annual camping trip. Believe it or not, that is how I like to spend my summers. Um, and I'm back again. Um, I'm around for a few weeks before the final tour of the season. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me. Um, so, Today, I'm going to tell you about some of the things that are coming up, some of the things that you can already see um, that are on my channels and on my Substack and things like that with um, some fantastic history stuff going on, including a new blog, some more interviews that are out, some that are about to come out. It's actually going to be quite packed, so it's going to be um, it's going to be fun. Before I forget, I will also let you know that I'm back live tonight with the History After Dark Girls. We are talking about Thomas Seymour tonight so if you are around and you like your history a little bit spicy you can join me again later on it's 8 15 UK time on the history after dark channel on YouTube and history.after.dark on Instagram we will be talking the is he or is he not deceased get Thomas Seymour um thank you so much for um for the badges Lottie Rose thank you so so much you can support me like Lottie Rose has just done with badges on Instagram stars on Facebook super chats on YouTube but what I really really would like you to do is join me on my Patreon it's five pounds a month at patreon.com forward slash British history you'll find out throughout um, just how much uh, extras you can get over there as well and um, so let's let's get on let's get on let's get on so we've got a few um a few cool things to let you know about. I finally finished my blog on the Armada maps. I spoke about this last time I think we were on. The Armada maps are these incredible hand-painted um, maps contemporary to the Armada of 1588. They're held at the Royal Navy Museum um, in uh, the the in dock uh, sorry in the Portsmouth historic dockyards, and when I was down there to see the talk, uh, there was a talk by Estelle Peronk and uh, and Joanne Joanne Paul at the Mary Rose Museum. I happened to get talking to um, one of the events uh, managers at the Mary Rose, and she said, "Have you seen the Armada maps?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, well I picked up the booklet. Um, I saw that the, you know you have them." And she's like, "You know they're on display right now, don't you?" I was like, "I did not." Anyway, so that then meant that I um, the following day before I left Portsmouth, I went to have a look at these incredible maps. Now the reason I didn't think they were on display is because um, they're, they're they're only allowed to be displayed for short periods of time because they're so delicate. They um, so these Armada maps were created around about well shortly after the Armada um, success of the English defeating the Spanish Armada of 1588 and um, possibly in order to kind of illustrate the account by um, uh, Lord Howard um, the the of Effingham the the High Admiral who was in charge of the of the fleet that that beat the Spanish. So um, anyway, so I've just finished my blog on that. It is a paid blog on Substack, but you can get the first bit um, for free if you wish. Um, I will also be publishing it in Patreon. So there's another um, <laughs> there's another thing for for patrons to go and and read. Um, 
interesting it's got a heaver connection as well which i was really excited to read about um william waldorf astor who bought heaver castle and was incredibly interested in the um in Anne Boleyn, it's her childhood home, and he would collect as much as he could, really, of Tudor, um, I was going to say memorabilia, but, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing memorabilia. I don't, know, I don't know what word we'd use. And he acquired the maps, um, and they were at Hever Castle, and they're actually at Hever Castle when the flood of, I think it was 1962, Hever Castle suffered a horrendous flood. Lots of things were lost when the cellars were um, flooded. And the maps did get water damage, some slight water damage, but thankfully they were preserved. And, it, and the maps went down the Waldorf um, family line and were eventually sold in 2020. And I'd missed maybe it's 2020 there's lots lots else going on I'd missed that these maps had been sold now they were actually put on an export sort of hold um to allow time for a British buyer they were going to go abroad they were going to go off um out off these shores and there's such a, an incredible artifact um that that would have been absolutely Horrendous. Thankfully, money was um, was raised, £600,000, and the maps were purchased by the National Museum of the Royal Navy, and they are at Portsmouth Dockyard. So I, um, I wrote my blog all about the maps, what they showed. Hi, Amy, and also hi, Colleen, <laughs> watching on YouTube. Hi, everyone. Sorry, I was there. Uh, concentrating on what I'm saying, so if I haven't said hello, I, um, hi. Um, so, yeah, so I finally, hi, Dala, I've finally got that uh, blog out. So if you aren't um, signed up to my Substack, it's, it's, I do a weekly newsletter, basically, on my Substack, which is free. And then I do a monthly blog, which is, which is paid. But that blog is also in Patreon. So if you're a patron over on patreon.com forward slash British history, don't worry about, don't, you don't have to sign up to the, you don't have to pay for the Substack. But if you're interested in general history news, if you want links to the things I talk about, if you want to hear about tours, then do sign up to my substack. It is um, Philippa B, P H I L I P P A B dot substack dot com. So you can get the link in my Instagram profile um, on my website, BritishHistoryTours.com, and, and all the other links, I think, from YouTube as well. Um, so, yeah, so, so, but I also, with the Armada, if you remember, it's the Armada that links with Elizabeth I's famous Tilbury speech, the speech she delivers um, on the 9th of August at Tilbury it's not Tilbury Fort that you can go to now in fact I tried to find the spot um, on which she delivered the speech and you can see my my video of that on on YouTube actually and she delivers a speech this is the famous one this is that I have the, the I may have the body of a weak and feeble woman but I have the heart and stomach of a king and a king of England too and foul scorn etc etc um anyone Spanish was it who wants to invade our shores that's not the exact words <laughs> um 
and oh Marie, how are you? Good. <laughs> nice to see you. Um, so now that Tilbury speech is iconic. Elizabeth knew the power of oratory. She was and, and, and good speech, um, you know, writing, and she was not going to let this opportunity pass because if you have a look at the dates that are on the maps, that are in the accounts, by the time she delivers that speech, the Spanish Armada is gone. It's well uh, and truly sort of defeated. Now, I, I so I talk about that in the blog as well and why I think she still gave that speech. So if you're interested, like I say, patrons, just give me a chat. I've only been back a couple of days, so I don't think I've put that blog into, oh, no, I have. I have, I have. You can go and read that blog in Patreon right now. I have done it. <laughs> I can't keep track. I've been so busy. This is my third day back um, after holiday. But anyway, so yes, yeah, so you can go and have a look um, at that blog. Now, available to everyone right now, this is really cool. So have anyone, I know some of you, um, I've spoken about the palace, Gareth Russell, he sent me a hardback copy now. So I have the proper, I had the, um, the, the whatever they call it, the reader's copy beforehand and I've got the hardback. Um, Gareth gave me an, an interview about his new book and that is available on YouTube now. So even though the book has only just been published, no, in fact, 17th, tomorrow, tomorrow, the book gets published. You can listen to Gareth talk about uh, talk about the, the book. I ask him about some of my favourite parts from my favourite stories from the book, and he's talking about those. And you can see that on my YouTube channel right now. Um, if you're again, if you're a patron, there's an extended version which you can get to via the Patreon site and app. So and that's not the only thing. It's not the only thing coming out. I have promised for such a long time, and I do understand that I have been promising for such a long time, the interview which goes with this book, The Dissolution of the Monasteries, James Clark, Professor James Clark. And I've said before, um, kind of don't talk about The Dissolution of the Monasteries again until you've read this book um, or listen to the interviews that we're about to to put out the reason it's taken me so long is James was incredibly generous with his time and he he gave me hours and hours of time so it is going to be in five episodes um patrons again you will get these from Monday so Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday plus a whole hour extra patron only um, episode which will go live on the Saturday everyone else uh, if you're not a member of my patron that's fine those links go um, live again the Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday of the following week the week beginning the 28th of August um, but if you want that extra hour with James as well then then just sign up to my patreon and you get that as well um, he talks about in that he talks about Anne Boleyn's um, involvement, what did she actually want, how, you know, I mean, Anne Boleyn dies in 1536 and the dissolution, the complete dissolution doesn't um, uh, end until 1540. So it is a little bit of, um, it is a little bit 
of conjecture. However, some of her sort of thoughts on the process were there. And James goes into that. Um, Maria, so happy you didn't cut out any of the footage James provided. No, I didn't. But it was so long. That's why it's taken me um, longer than usual to edit it because I've cut it into five episodes plus the hour special extra episode for patrons. Um, I think it turns on on its head what we... What we are led to believe about the dissolution of the monasteries. Um, it's not an appendage to the Henry VIII, Thomas Cromwell, Anne Boleyn story um, at all. And what James tries to do, what he does successfully do, is instead of it being that appendage to the stories of the, let's face it, rich and famous of the time, it's what actually happened. This is this is an on-the-ground affecting every person who lives in the country at the time that it happens. That is that's the story. There's and it's as individual as every individual involved in it, every um, um every every person who was involved in it, every every one of the institutions. It didn't just take in the religious institutions, it took in you know, if there were a, a school attached, a university attached, a hospital attached, um, all of they they them ended up coming underneath the dissolution. Um, the money, uh, you know, was Henry VIII just after all the money? You know, we, I think because it is, I mean, look, James has written this book, it's huge, right? I think with anything that is this long and complicated that um, it can necessarily be then summarized into something much more simple and digestible um Lottie Rose so uh, that's so much more interesting I love that that because so much evidence of regular people's lives has been lost it's so fascinating yeah exactly it is a really good insight into what was it like being I mean I, I don't think I'd call people who went into the monastic life sort of your ordinary every day but there was incredible lay staff who would work in the monasteries or supply the monasteries um you know we we know that when the monasteries are dissolved it it um it takes away you know it takes away places for people to go on pilgrimage it takes away the places they stay it takes away um um hospitals uh um educational institutions but it's even more than that it's even more than that and it and it and in some areas it made no difference and in some areas it made a huge amount of difference in some areas you had a complete change of the landscape you have monasteries that are um in in the countryside something like Tintin Abbey but then you have somewhere like Gloucester who has um a Blackfriars and a Whitefriars and, a, you know, they're, they're close together. Where are the people are living? And it will completely change. It's like your, it's like your town, just, I don't know, something, something really, I don't, I don't know what we have that's equivalent. Um, but all your big institutions, I don't know, your town hall, your, the main school, the library, the, I don't know, whatever we would have now and all of them going in the space of, well, in the country, three to four years, um, 
but within a particular location, a much shorter amount of time than that. So you can tell I'm very excited about it. So James's interviews will be coming out, as I say, from next Monday in five episodes to patrons next week from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and the following week, everyone else. Um, so that they'll go live on YouTube, um, like I say, every day. So you've got your five episodes and an extra hour for patrons. So, oh, also James, James and Gareth, actually, the two books I've already talked about, they are both speakers at this November, so this autumn's online history festival. So we do a spring and an autumn online history festival. Last autumn, we did the Stuarts. This spring, we did the Georgians. And this um, this autumn, we're doing the Tudors. And so Gareth is speaking. He is, um, he's talking about uh, Edward VI's um, best friend, Barnaby. Barnaby, can't think of his last name. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm doing this off the top of my head. Um, and uh, he's, he actually gets a fleeting mention in the Palace book, but his, his full, on, full story is, um, is, is, is very, very interesting. And he is, um, so he, he grew up with Edward VI. He was in the schoolroom with him. Um, but as Edward VI, I, I gather, as he became more, more of a religious zealot, really. Uh, Barnaby wasn't quite that way inclined, and 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 anyway. So so covet, um, so Gareth is going to talk about him. Fitzpatrick, thank you, Katie. <laughs> nice, well done, thank you. Um, so yeah, so so Gareth's going to be talking about Barnaby Fitzpatrick. Uh, James will be talking about the dissolution of the monasteries. We have Estelle Peronk talking about um, the. Um, the relationship between um no, she's doing um Anne Boleyn I think and the, the French uh factors I need to check that um and then uh Joanne Paul is also talking she's she's the author of the House of Dudley um Tracy Borman will be talking about Anne and Elizabeth Anne Boleyn and her daughter Elizabeth she's obviously written a book recently on that um and who else we've got Aleary Lynn talking about uh Tudor dress, Tudor fashions, and um, yeah, and, and, and all of that. And and then we have Dr. Cat as well talking. So we've got seven incredible speakers. There's a slight difference to this autumn's festival than to spring and last autumn's festival in that with the live Q&A panel will be with the authors whose talks you would have seen over the weekend. So we had different authors for the last two um, online history festivals, but this one um, and and from now on, the Q&A, the live Q&A will be with the speakers themselves. So you will get to put your questions to Gareth, James, Kat, Tracy, uh, Estelle, Illyri and Joanne. Um, so, yes, Dr. Kat, the legend herself. Well, they're all legends. You wait, you wait. Even if you don't know some of them, you wait till you see them speaking, right? right I, I i have a new person to be a fan of um they're all fabulous very very excited to 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 get that on so if you want um tickets for that i should show you where to get, tell you where to get them you can get your ticket for that from um the tudors 2023.eventbrite.co.uk if you're on facebook or youtube it is ticker taping across the bottom right now if you're on 
Instagram after this, you can go to my bio and you will find a link so that you can get your ticket. If you missed the Georgians Festival or the Stuarts Festival and you would like to see all the talks, you can buy them as an extra bundle. Um, If you don't want to come to the Tudors, but you do want to catch up on those talks, you can get those separately on um, at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Philippa. And anything with my name in, it's one L and two P's because that's the way to do it, she says, because it's her name. Mm. all right come up for a breath for a second um so yes so you've got gareth's interview that's on on in um youtube at the moment that you can watch james's is about to come out september's is jonathan foyle who um if you watched last my last um live i got talking about and specifically about the uh the bed of henry the seventh and Elizabeth of York that Jonathan helped identify and is not on display anywhere. You can't see it. And I went into the whole reason behind that, but, um, but Jonathan talks a lot about, um, about how, you know, the artifacts he's found, how he goes about finding them. Um, and that will be available in, um, in September. Uh, Maria, I do not know who I'm more excited about. I have to say, also along with this month's book club book, I have been consuming every talk of the exceptional author on YouTube I can find at every available second. Fantastic. Yes. So, Marie, thank you very much. The um, the next book club meeting, if you are a member of book club, which again is in Patreon. <laughs> I'm, honestly, if you love history, it's five pounds a month. And we're putting some some really cool stuff in there. Book club is one of those things. This is our next book. So our meeting um, on YouTube, if it can, not on Instagram, if it can uh, focus. It, so our next book is Houses of Power by Simon Thurley. It's the Tudors, where in fact, the places that shape the Tudor world. Um, quite a few have gone. So Simon's Simon's telling of how why they were built what they looked like how they were used who they were used by um it gives a again another another perspective on the Tudor story which we all feel like we we kind of know but there's there's so much more to it so you know you you find out more about Greenwich for instance we've lost Greenwich we've lost Eltham we've lost um Whitehall we've lost the Palace of Westminster um We've lost Richmond. We've lost Oatlands. Nonsuch. <laughs> we nearly lost Hampton Court. Um, the reference back to Gareth's book. So, um, yeah, so this is our next uh, um, book for book club. So you have, if you if you wanted to join now and join us for that meeting, we our next meeting is the, is the 16th? Of September. What's the Sunday? I come back from tour. No, 17th, isn't it? I come back from tour, go to the Gloucester History Festival and come back and have book club. It's gonna be it's gonna be a very exciting weekend. The book after this, so if you if you are interested in getting into book club, but you don't think you're going to have time to read this book before our meeting on the 17th of September, the next book is Leanza Delisle's The Sisters Who Would Be Queen. 
about the Grey Sisters. Fascinating. Can't again. Can't, another book I can't wait to discuss with everybody. Um. Soon I will be interviewing Nicola Tallis, Dr. Nicola Tallis, about Margaret Beaufort. Now, I, I read her book. You can see where I've rubbed the gold off. I read this while I was camping, uh, while we've been away. Um, so the story of Margaret Beaufort, a great biography of Margaret Beaufort. Um, she, Nicola puts the whole story across, the whole woman. Um, so again, someone who's far more, um, rounded, I think, than, than we get, um, told about, um, oh, Lottie lives five minutes away from Eltham. Is it Eltham? Eltham? Do you, do you pronounce the H? I should know. Um, yes, 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 yes. Right. So Eltham Palace, I, um, I need to go. Again, I haven't been for years. The Great Hall exists. It was bought by, it's a bit like Heaver, been saved by the Waldorf Astors. Um, Eltham was uh, saved by the, remind me, Lottie, another very rich American family. And they built, an inc I love it, an incredible Art Deco house. And they incorporated the Great Hall. So Edward IV built the Great Hall there. It was one of his favourite um, palaces. It's um, it was kind of the childhood. Lottie um, Rose Elton thought it was right. Oh, people say either. I'm going to carry on with Elton. Uh, <laughs> Lee, <laughs> hope the lionesses beat the new Spanish Armada. I'm not following. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not following the women's football. Oh. oh, I'm not. I'm not seeing much outside of my own like, little bubble at the moment. Back off. Back off holiday. About to go on tour, um, and lots, lots to do. I'm a little bit, a little bit in my own bubble at the moment. Um, but yeah, Elton Palace. So yeah, I will. I'm going to go back there soon, definitely. Um, the Art Deco House is amazing. Edward the Fourth um, built the Great Hall, like I say, and it was um, nursery palace to Henry the Eighth obviously when he was just Henry and hit Coulthard, thank you, Lottie Rose, um, and, um, and his uh, younger siblings, two sisters, Margaret, Mary and Edmund, who, who, who died as a child. Arthur Tudor was being brought up at court because he was, of course, the king in, in waiting. Um, anyway, Nicola Tallis, Uncrowned Queen, Margaret Beaufort book. I will be interviewing Nicola um, in a couple of weeks' time. So that interview will go live, live, you can tell where I'm from all of a sudden, um, in October or November. I can't remember what I've got lined up for October. I think it might be October. Um, oh, Deborah Reed, thank you so much for my badge on Instagram. That's really kind. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, so just a reminder, you can support me with badges on Instagram, stars on Facebook, Super Chats on YouTube, or you can join my Patreon, which um, means I can give you I can give you lots back, including being able to put your own questions to people I interview. So if you have a question about Margaret Beaufort, or about the life of times of Margaret Beaufort, then you can go join Patreon, or if you're a patron already, go to the post, it's near the top. And in the comments, please put your question for Nicola and I will um, I will put that to her. And that makes up the extended ad-free version of the interview, which patrons get. 
um, you'll get it a week early. So it's all cool. It's all good. Now, I have said, oh, I need to say some thank yous, actually, because since I last said thank you, Katie, um, Kate, Melissa, April, Rebecca, Teresa and Dawn have all joined my Patreon. Another benefit is you get seven days to book onto a tour before anyone else. Now, we're, I'm about to launch a new tour, so this might be worth your while if you are, if this is something you want to do, because they do they do set out really quickly. The Rise of the Tudors tour, just as an aside, for next September, September 2024, so in just over a year's time, is um, is almost sold out. In fact, it, it kind of is already sold out. I need to go back to the hotels and try and get some more rooms. And if I can, then I can take a few more people. So um, if you are interested in the rise of the Tudors, drop me an email at office at BritishHistoryTours.com. Let me know how many people you would be booking for um, because I'm going to have to try and secure some more rooms for people, which is very exciting. We also have two Anne Boleyn tours next year. So the Anne Boleyn tour in May from the 16th to the 20th of May is fully booked. And so I've put on a, a second one, which um, uh, which is from the, I look up to my board, what is it? It's the 30th of April till the 4th of May. <laughs> um, and on so on the Anne Boleyn tour where we do 16th to the 20th of May, we're at the Tower of London on the 19th, which is the day, of course, that Anne Boleyn was executed. For the 30th of April to the 4th of May tour, we will be at the Tower on the 2nd of May, which is the day that Anne Boleyn became a prisoner at the Tower of London. Um taken to the royal apartments which no longer exist and um she never left she never has left she was executed on the 19th of may and interred in st peter ad vincula within the tower walls so incredibly poignant day so that is how um that, is, that we're going to be incorporating that into that tour that is again almost full so if you're interested in doing that tour all of the information for the tours is available on britishhistorytours.com so you can find out all of that but anyway the one that I was going to tell you about today which isn't yet on sale but will be on Monday to patrons and the following Tuesday because bizarrely well not bizarrely unusually because usually it's seven days um that patrons get to book on not eight before it goes uh, on general release it's because it's bank holiday here which means it's a day off and it's my birthday which means it should be a day off as well do you think so so the the anyway the tour is called Shakespeare in Stratford it's our first weekend tour so it's our first short tour um and it's based for the entire weekend in Stratford upon Avon Dr Cat is my tour historian for it. She's a Shakespeare scholar. There is, she is just fabulous. She's fantastic. Uh, talking about Shakespeare, talking about his works, talking about the life and times of, the inspiration for his writing, um, just anything and everything about it. So we will be, we will be meeting everyone in Stratford-upon-Avon. Um, and there's going to be a series of talks over the weekend, a theatre visit. So we're going to go to the Royal Shakespeare Company Theatre, which is probably literally 25 steps away from our hotel. We're going to be going to see a Shakespeare show at the, at the Royal Shakespeare Company 
theatre next to the River Avon. Um, we will visit where Shakespeare, well, Shakespeare's birthplace. We will visit where he went to school, um, where his father was um, town bailiff. So where um, where William was probably exposed to travelling players. Perhaps that was part of his inspiration to become a writer. Who knows? Um, the Guildhall Chapel, um, which his so the, the 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 Guildhall Chapel in Stratford has doom doom paintings. So these are paintings on the wall uh, of the church, which would have been seen in that we wouldn't have been an unusual um, decoration to see in pre-Reformation England. They were whitewashed over. The person in charge of whitewashing them over was John Shakespeare, William Shakespeare's father. Now, the reason we still have them is because he didn't do a very good job. Now, was he just doing it on the cheap? Was he actually thinking he was preserving them and hoping that he was preserving them? Was it a practical thing because the pendulum of uh, religious um, reform, counter-reform, swang so much that he thought, well, I'll do it in this temporary fashion because for all I know, in a few months' time, we'll be going back the other way. Either way, they're, they're there, we can see them, and you can get an idea of how people would have been presented with really the story of what's going to happen to them if they don't follow a Christian life. Um, we'll also go to Shakespeare's, Shakespeare's burial place as well. Um, Lou Reed, the RSC is practically my second home. Oh, cool. Is that because you go a lot or are you in there? Or do you perform? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, Marie, Dr. Cat is knowledgeable and authoritative on any history subject she discusses. Well, yeah, that's because she, she she talks about, she's not daft, she talks about, she knows her stuff and she talks about what she knows about. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so there'll be three talks. We're going to talk about, well, Cat is going to talk about um, Shakespeare in Stratford. Um, oh, bronze patron, Lou. Nice. I was supposed to go last year and something happened and I couldn't go. So I need to start going. Um, yes, yeah, so we're going to, Dr. Kat's going to talk about Shakespeare in Stratford. Um, she's going to do a talk. So the, the play that we're going to see, I can't tell you yet what it is. That's because it's not released yet. Um, Lou will probably know that they don't get released until, um, probably this autumn for next oh no actually maybe later than that so anyway they're not um they're not released yet so but we will we cat will do a talk about the play that we see break it down what was the inspiration for it when was it written and you know where was william what was he doing what what else was being written about at the time what's the context what's the inspiration what's the um you know he he, he was very inspired by greek myths and um that he wasn't alone in that but um anyway so she'll be talking about that and then on our final morning we'll have breakfast together and lovely breakfast and a talk again um from Dr Cat about Shakespeare beyond Stratford um we'll start she'll start talking about or she'll talk to us about his his London years what what do we know what do we not know what what what, what can we sort of make out happened um, so that is our first weekend tour. So if you're interested in that, um, I am going to release the details onto the website very soon. 
So the only reason I haven't done that is because I have not been here yet for very long. So I'm going to put that on the website so you can see the details. If you want to book on and you're a patron, you can do so from Monday. Um, if you're not a patron, you can book on from the following Tuesday, the 29th of August. Um, would have normally been the 28th, being a week after the 21st when it goes live to the patrons, but it's my birthday. So there you go. So I'm planning on having a day off. <laughs> right so there there's that um what time am I on oh I was a little bit late today I'm so sorry everybody I was trying to um trying to prep for so many things this weekend I'm actually doing um I'm accompanying uh, some friends down in London um I'm talking about so I'm, I might do I'm, I think I'm going to do a video on this as well I've I've done one I, but I feel like I'm going to do another on the history of Westminster and Whitehall. So I'm going to take them to, to Westminster and we're also going to go to the city of London, the tower. Um, and the history of Westminster. So um, why do we have our seat of power there? Um, the story behind Downing Street is is, is quite fun. And interesting. But, you know, why Westminster in the first place? Then, therefore, then why Whitehall? Why the Abbey? Why has every monarch been crowned at Westminster Abbey since the Norman Conquest? In fact, before the Norman Conquest, because Harold was, um, uh, was crowned at Westminster as well. But why? Well, I know why, <laughs> and I can tell you why. I'm going to be telling my um, my friends on uh, this weekend uh, why as well. They're very into Tudor history, so I will be um, focusing as much on the Tudor history as possible. Th this book that I've just been speaking about that we're doing in book club um, in September, The House of Power by Simon Thurley, um, I've got loads out of here to talk about Westminster and um, and the Tower of London is, uh, particularly. I mean, Westminster Palace, of course, we have lost. We have, there's two, there's two remaining parts of Westminster Palace. The Great Hall, which was built by William Rufus and roofed by uh, Richard II, and the Jewel House the jewel house from which Richard III would have taken his crown for the battlefield. Because, you know, you have your coronation regalia, that's always in the tavern, and then you've got your everyday crowns uh, in your jewellery box, which is called the jewel house <laughs> of the tower. Richard III leaves the Palace of Westminster, August 1485, takes the crown, fully expecting to come back, of course. He's just got to get rid of this annoying um, Henry Tudor, who didn't refer to himself as Tudor, by the way. Um, he was, uh, re referred to himself as Henry Richmond because his title was the Earl of Richmond. He'd inherited that on his birth because he had his um, father had um, died before his birth. Um, but it was, it, it was sort of a disparaging name because the Tudor name comes from his uh, grandfather, Owen Tudor, the squire who married Catherine de Valois. Um, so anyway, so Richard III heads off from Westminster uh, with his crown out the jewel house to Bosworth and, of course, fully expecting to come back and, and, and doesn't. And up until that point, so Henry Richmond, 
Now Henry VII had only been to the Palace of Westminster once in his life prior to that age 13 to be presented to his um, his uncle, half-uncle, really, uh, Henry VI. So, um, but it, it, there's also things, little gems in this book, like, you know, Henry VII was a, wasn't a big jouster. Um, in fact, I don't think he did joust at all. So jousting was a big thing in terms of, you know, if you're celebrating something like the marriage of their eldest son, Arthur Tudor, to Catherine of Aragon, there were jousts as part of that celebration. Um, and there were jousts outside Westminster, um, well, in the, in the precinct of Westminster Palace. Um, but there were no permanent tilt yards. Everything had to be created, built for it at huge expense. It's only when we when um, we get to the reign of Henry VIII that we see tilt yards, permanent tilt yards being built. Um, Greenwich, Whitehall has one. Um, Hampton Court has one. If you go to Hampton Court now, you can um, eat at the Tilt Yard Cafe, which is one of the permanent towers that was built um, apart of I think that obviously it's extended because it's a bit bigger, but yeah, part of the, um, so that was part of the tilt yard. So you only see um, permanent tilt yards when Henry VIII comes to the throne. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting as well because things, things you don't really think about. There's also a road now going through in between. So we call it the House of Parliament now. You can also call it the Palace of Westminster, but there's very little left of, like I say, of the original palace. Um, but because of the road that goes through between the abbey and the palace, you it's hard to, I think possibly impossible unless you're told, to understand how the palace and the abbey worked actually together. And Parliament would meet in the chapter house of the abbey up until it, it was dissolved. Um, you know, it, was, it was integral. Um, the, the, you, your ecclesiastical and governmental power were 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 so conjoined um so yeah i'm going i'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying myself here because i find it absolutely fascinating so i will be i've got all this information for my friends there's no way they're going to want to hear everything i've got up in my head i don't think <laughs> i would be very surprised <laughs> um uh let me see lottie rose Oh, Lottie Rose and Lou Reed uh, watched. Um, that was jousting, was it, at Warwick Castle? It's incredible. I love, I love just the horsemanship, like the control of of a, of a horse, as well as then your your athletic prowess of being able to hold a lance, um, and and then aim it while you're riding at top speed. <laughs> I find it incredible. It's it's brilliant. Um, so yeah, and then and then going to be taking uh, hi Heidi, yes hi. Um, I'm going to be taking them over to the city of London. Um, so we're probably going to go on the Clipper, so that you go get, you get to go down the Thames, which of course was the um, the highway of its of its of its time in, in Tudor times. That is until, by the way, so this is another cool thing that I find out. Um, until the advent of the carriage, until the, the, a carriage became fashionable. So then you got houses being built with carriage entrances and road entrances. So entrances, big entrances on the roadside, as opposed to beforehand, they were on the um, 
on the riverside, on the waterside. Um, Amy saw Jousting at Leeds Castle when she was young. That was amazing. Yeah, I find it just incredible. I'd love to be able to horse ride, but no. <laughs> they scare me too much. They're big. <laughs> They're big and I can't, I can't control them. So, um, but yeah, so, uh, um, so yeah, so, so the advent of the carriage, and that's actually Mary the First was the first person to have a carriage. Um, she, uh, in kind of the style of her father, actually said, well, that's, we've got one of her ladies in waiting actually to say to, I think it was an Italian, was it Italian or Spanish ambassador? Um, that's a very nice coach. Uh, reckon you could leave it as a present. It'd be really, oh, something, something like that. It'd be a really nice present for the queen, wouldn't it? <laughs> and so, so she gets a carriage and Elizabeth first starts using a carriage. Um, so it starts to become fashionable and you have expansions of mews where there was just horses before now they have to expand to uh, accommodate carriages as well so it's all right. and of course the Thames it, at, at this time and for centuries before has been much much wider tidal so at times it's too shallow for a boat um, famously of course Elizabeth knew this um, because when she writes her tide letter, or so-called tide letter now, where she was being held at, where was she being held at? Whitehall? And um, Mary, her sister, her half-sister, uh, um, you know, give, gives the order for her arrest to be taken, for her to be taken to the Tower of London. And... Elizabeth persuades her would-be jailers that she would like to write to the Queen. She's allowed to. And she takes so long over this letter that the tide has gone out and the boat can no longer take her um, to, to the tower. Um, it does still. She still has to go um, when the tide is, is back in. But she... Um, um, she uh... Hi, Karen. Um, yeah, she, oh, I forgot actually, I was going to say I was going to do this later, didn't, or didn't I, in the day? Oh, well, maybe next week. Um, yeah, so, 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 so they're very aware of the tides, but yeah, so, so the tides can be so, um, low that, uh, the water in the Thames can be so low that the boats can't, can't be used. It also, this is also the reason why the Thames, if you ever heard about the Thames freezing, um, um, that and the fact that London Bridge, which um, is a bit like, or I imagine now, like the uh, the bridges you still see in Italy, which are very built up, multiple sort of arches. That had the effect of slowing down the flow of water um, to such an extent that it would that it could freeze, and it, and it did on a number of occasions. Um, so yeah, making river travel impossible. So 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 road travel starts to become more popular with the advent of the carriage, and um, for those practical reasons. Um, yeah. So what else? I don't know. I, what, what I would think I will do is after I've done um, my uh, my little weekend with my with my friends at uh, Westminster and the Tower, uh, I will probably talk about that next week because um, the history there is. Um, well, of course it's fascinating. Of course it's fascinating. That's why we're here. We all love it. Um, but there are little 
little things um, that perhaps perhaps aren't as well known, which I'll cover as well. So if you're around tonight, 8.15 p.m., join us on History After Dark. We're talking about Thomas Seymour. Um, and it's history.after.dark on Instagram. It's just History After Dark on YouTube. And you can join us. Um, we're live together later on. Uh, if you aren't a member of my Patreon and you would like to be because you get to ask historians their own the questions, you get um, you actually get a discount. I should have mentioned that you get a discount on the online history festival tickets as well. You get a ten percent discount. You get early access, early booking, um, sort of priority VIP booking for all the tours. Um, you get the blog that I've just written about the Armada maps and um, and my two pennies worth on. Uh, on why the uh, the Tilbury speech of Elizabeth I is so interesting with its timing and why I think she still made it despite the fact that the Armada had um, had already been defeated. Ah, uh, what else? You get loads more stuff. You get priority access, so you will see um, James Clark's interviews. It's going to be a series of episodes, five episodes on the dissolution of the monasteries. You get an extra hour. Oh, it goes on. It goes on. It's only five pounds a month. So do that and I can give you loads back. Right, everybody. I will see you tonight. Uh, Linda, Thomas Seymour, it will be a fun had tonight, 8.15 p.m. Otherwise, I will see you next week. Um, look out because I've only just remembered that last time, did I do three o'clock? And we all said, that's actually quite a good time to do it. And then I've come back and done it at one o'clock. So, um, so right. I will I'll have a think about that. Look out next week might be a bit later. Okay, everyone, have a great day. And uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much for joining me um, on my first one back after holiday. And, uh, and have a great day. All right, bye-bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>